I'm going to share with you this morning part of my journey in coming to the point of receiving the baptism of the Spirit because I was not raised this way. In fact, this was something that was never talked about. But I need to lay a little foundation as the Lord and I were were talking about this. I want you to think about there is a God, we know that. And if I were to ask you in one word to describe God's purpose on earth, what would it be? In one word, what would it be? We could say love so that all of his children would enter into his love. Somebody else said what? Family. Yep, be adopted back into his family again. Fellowship, we're basically talking relationship again. Entering into. Let me see if black works. Can you see that? It might just be my writing. No? Okay. Anything else? Intimacy. Yeah. And let me just say this really clearly. Uh, scripture says really clearly that to be saved is to know him. God says, my desire on earth is that every one of my children should know me in the intimacy, know my love, be part of the family, fellowship. That's exactly what this is all about. He says, this is my purpose, is so that everyone would know me. There is an enemy. Let me just say this really clearly. There are many in our day who don't believe that anymore. Do you know that? I just heard this past week that there is a pastor evangelist who is out there. And what he is known for is preaching and teaching that there is no hell, that there is no devil. Um, I guess he's growing in popularity. That shouldn't shock us, right? But part of what we are having to address today is a world that doesn't believe that the Bible is the foundational truth. A hundred years ago, we wouldn't have had to worry about that. But today, we have to be concerned about people, and one of the first things is people who go, there is no God, and another one who go, there is a God, but there is no enemy. But for those of us who are believers, let me ask you a question. What is the purpose of the enemy? If you could bring it down to, and I will say three words, what is his purpose? Steal, kill, and destroy. We know that. If I was the enemy, I'd wake up every morning and I'd go, this is my goal today in the life of every person, believer and not a believer. My life today in their, my goal today in their life is to steal something, to kill something, and to destroy something. That's my goal. And as an enemy, I'm going to take all of the minions and all of the demons, one third that fell, and I'm going to commission them to go out with every person. This is your goal today, is to destroy something in their life, to steal something that God wants to have, to make sure that they don't experience all that God has for them. That is why Scripture says, first of all, really clearly, life is to know Him. If I'm the enemy, everything I can do to make sure that people don't get to know Him. But after they know him, the enemy doesn't just coil up and go, okay, too late. They know him, so we've lost. No, the enemy goes, couldn't stop them from getting to know him, but let's stop them from knowing everything about him. In men's group, about two and a half years ago, we began a book that we're still not through. It's by Robert Morris, a book called The God I Never Knew. 
I don't know if you've ever read it. If you would write that down, I would encourage you to get that book. I would encourage you to have a look at it. What Robert Morris talks about is what many of our lives are like growing up in a church, growing up in that atmosphere, and never knowing or never learning anything about God the Holy Spirit. And how God slowly, gently, beautifully moved him to the point where he understood about the Holy Spirit, moved into relationship with the Holy Spirit, and had his life changed by it. We're going to talk about that in a second, but I just want you to just catch this for a moment. If I'm the enemy, and I know that God wants you healthy, what's my goal going to be? What's my goal going to be? I'm going to not only make you sick, but I'm going to cause you to believe that you are supposed to be sick. And I'm also going to plant inside of you that's going to become a truth for you that go, when you get older, you will die because of sickness. What is the truth about that? As a believer, when we die, what's going to cause our death? Huh? Old age, is that going to cause our death? Nope. Huh? God calling us home. I, I just love this. Kenneth Hagin. Um, oh, I shouldn't tell you, but I'm going to tell you. How many of you got the faith food devotion years ago from Kenneth Hagin when we put it in the mail? How many of you were blessed by that? Yeah, powerful. Um, there was a devotion out there that he did called Health Food Devotions. And... Um, was introduced, this, introduced to it this year, was reading through it, and it was just powerful. So come January, uh, every person in this church is going to receive a Kenneth Hagin health food devotional book. Uh, powerful. Uh, I believe as we study the word together that God does something in that. But I love Kenneth Hagin's story, right? Preaching, the whole deal. I mean, was getting older. Woke up the one morning, had breakfast, ate his bowl of strawberries every morning. After the strawberries were done, he just laid his head down, and he went to heaven. He said, sickness is not meant to take us. Let me just declare it again. You and I will never get Alzheimer's. You and I will never get dementia. You and I will never get diabetes. You and I will never get cancer. You and I will never have heart disease. You and I will never be affected by the curse that those who are non-believers are affected by. Our confession is different. Our belief is different. We are to live to an old age. If you ever get a chance, go to the Edmonton Zoo, walk in front of the elephant display, and read the sign on the elephant display, it says the years of man are to be like an elephant, 120 years. Science has put it there. Just go read it. The zoo is preaching the gospel. If I'm to be healthy, the enemy will do everything he can to make sure I'm not healthy. If I'm to have a great marriage, what will the enemy do? Everything I can to wreck my marriage, and if it's not wrecked and divorced, he'll make sure that I'm living at a 2 instead of a 12 or 15. If I'm supposed to walk in peace mentally so that my mind is at peace and I sleep at night, what's the enemy going to do? Stress, torment, mind that just goes like this. If I'm to walk with freedom, what's the enemy going to do? Put me in bondage, addiction, slavery. If I'm to be blessed, he'll stick me under the curse. If I'm to walk with the presence of God in my life, he'll make it so that I walk like I'm alone and an orphan. Okay? We know what it is the enemy wants to do. What I want you to hear is what the enemy wants to do in relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to share with you, some of you may have heard part of my 
story before, but I need to share it again. The Holy Spirit laid it upon my heart, and I just want you to uh, hear this very clearly. I'm going to use a couple names in my journey, and I want you to know that those names, I don't hold any offense toward those people. I've forgiven them. As I use those names, I want you to know that I'm not disparaging their character or saying their ministry was false or wrong. I'm not doing that. I'm simply using their name because they were used in both positive and negative ways in my journey in the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a Christian home like a lot of you did. But as I grew up in the church, there was not a lot of emphasis about the Father and our relationship with Him or the Holy Spirit and our relationship with Him. Our church was one where there was lots of talk about Jesus. No talk about being born again. But most of the talk was about how we are to live our life. So when I grew up and ended up receiving Christ at 17, two weeks before I went to Bible school, got to Bible school, in Bible school, I began to experience a presence of God that I had never experienced in my growing up years. I remember sitting in the Bible school in our prayer rooms in the evening, and we would sing courses, and I began experiencing a, a sense and a presence I understood that it was God's presence, didn't understand much about the Holy Spirit, but I do want to tell you, it's interesting, in a Lutheran Bible school, at that time we had a president who brought into the school some speakers who we found out were Lutheran pastors, but they had been kicked out of the Lutheran church because they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. It was quite a radical move. I just got to tell you, it's kind of funny, at Richard's brother's funeral on Monday, after the service was over, there was a man who just darted up to me, chatted with a number of people after. There was a man who darted up, and you'll know who I'm talking about. First thing, he looks at me, and he goes, he goes, I know that you hear from God. And I looked at him, and I said, yeah, I do. And I said, and who are you? He goes, I'm the retired Pentecostal pastor in Killam. And he said, so what church are you a part of? And I said, Solid Rock. He goes, no, no, no. I want to know what your affiliation is. I go, Free Lutheran. He looks at me and goes, what? Lutheran? You people aren't even saved, let alone filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I said, that's what the church became. But I said, it began being born again. It began being filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, it had the fire. It lost it. And it's coming back. And we had a conversation after that. That's not the first time I've had people go, you're Lutheran, you need, to, you need Jesus. But I grew up in a church where heard about Jesus, learned about, got saved, went to Bible school, began experiencing, and all of a sudden there were men coming into our church who had been kicked out and got to start working this in your mind. One of them was Cliff Stallwick, by the way. Some of you know that he's the, uh, the head of the Bible school, head of the camp, Living Springs. Uh, he's a kicked out Lutheran from years ago that got filled with the Holy Spirit and God just moved him. And one of them was Art Dolan, another man filled with the Holy Spirit. They kicked him out and took their pension. As they kicked him out, they took their pension. I could tell you a number of men in the Lutheran church who moved in the Holy Spirit, but they would not leave, they would not bring themselves out of the closet because they didn't want to lose their pensions. That's another story. So as I was in Bible school, I began to encounter some of these things. The Holy Spirit was working in my life. I ended up on a singing team. 
that traveled Canada and the States for uh, two months after it was all done, after Bible school was finished. So here's the part, and I want, I want to just to say this clearly. It was about a week and a half after we were on our tour. It was in May and June. A week and a half, we ended up in Toronto. And it wasn't planned on the schedule, but we had a morning free, and so we thought, we want to go to 100 Huntley Street, and we'd love to be a part of their regular filming. How many of you are aware of the ministry, 100 Huntley Street? Yeah, we all are. So that morning, as a team, we decided to go. There were six of us. We decided to go. We all decided we had hockey jerseys that had CLBI on them, and they were all blue. We decided to wear our jerseys. We thought that'd be kind of cool. We got into the, uh, into the area where they were uh, filming in the front. We got seated down. They put us in this area. We're all wearing our blue jerseys. And before it began, David Main comes out, and he sees all of our jerseys. So he comes over to us, asks us, you know, where we're from, what it's about. And we said, we're a singing team from, you know, Lutheran Bible School in, in Camrose, and we're out here. And, and he said, oh, he said, really? He goes, would you guys like to sing on the program? And we said, that would be great. So during the filming, they had us come up, and we ended up singing. It was spontaneous. I mean, very welcoming. But after the show was finished, they came over and they said, we'd like you to come into the prayer room with us, the whole team. So we went into the prayer room. And there was a bunch of other people in there. There were people praying, other people who were in the uh, studio audience that were in there. We got into the prayer room. And really quickly, David Maines came over there and he said, I- I'd like to pray the prayer of salvation with you. You're Lutheran, aren't you? <laughs> and so, you know, we weren't... I was 18 years of age. Our leader was 21 years of age. We didn't want to counter David Maines. I mean, he was the Moses of the Canadian Christian Church at the time. I mean, you're dealing with that, right? So we didn't say great deal. So he prayed a prayer and said, anybody else here who needs Jesus, you pray along too. And so we prayed the prayer and, and got saved again. But after the prayer was finished, the salvation prayer was finished, David Maine says, I'd like to pray with you to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Ken, can I just have you come for a second? So all six of us are standing here, and there were some other ones that were around there too. And um, David Maines began praying. He was laying hands, laying hands, laying hands. He came over to me, and David Maines put his hand on my head, and he prayed for the impartation of the Holy Ghost, and then he threw me to the floor. Can you just put on there, just be really gentle, knock me to the floor, would you? Okay. I'm not going to go down now, but I will in a second. Can I just, can I just say this to you, okay? Uh, traveling the world, you've seen different speakers. Um, there, there are times where people lay hands on you, and when you're falling down, it's not because the Spirit took you there or they pushed you. I've been there. I've seen it. We've experienced it. Okay, going to talk about that in a second. When David Maines laid his hands on me, he took me, and I didn't go under the Spirit. He pushed me down to the ground. I'm laying on the floor. Thank you, Ken. I just needed you to put me on the floor, okay? I want you to hear what happened because I'm on the floor, 18 years of age. I just got pushed down by David Maines. He knew I was saved because he just prayed with me. (laughs) But now he's believing that on the floor I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. On the floor, I'll tell you what was going through my mind. It's like, what the heck just happened? Who does he think he is? What am I going to do now? This room is filled with people. I laid there thinking, how am I going to get out of here? How am I going to escape? Okay, I wasn't having an encounter with God. I was having an encounter with my flesh. And so after a short period of time, I was laying there and I said, you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm just going to walk out of this building. I prepared myself. I built myself up. Stuff was still going on. So 
at the right moment, I lifted myself up off the floor. I got up, I found the exit. I walked out of that exit, didn't say where, just went out the exit, went to the van. I had the keys, I went to the van. I climbed inside the van and inside of me, I was ticked. I was ticked right off. It wasn't only a couple minutes after I was inside the van, all of a sudden I heard a tapping on the window and there was a lady who was about 75 or 80 years of age. She saw what happened. She followed me out all the way to the van. I rolled down the window. She looked at me and she said, I am so sorry for what happened in there. She goes, my prayer for you is that this will not affect your relationship with the Lord negative. That's all she said. And she walked away. I believe that woman prayed. I do. When the team got back, I waited however long for the team to come back. And we started driving. We shared our experience in there. We all thought it was funny that we all had to be saved again, but that was the mentality, right? If you're Pentecostal, Lutherans are pagans, and so you need to be saved. And then I shared with them what happened to me about the Spirit. And a number of them, they didn't get pushed down to the floor. They, they, whatever, but we all experienced something. But I'll tell you, in the inside, I expressed my anger, my just, I was just torqued. Can I tell you something that you know? There are a pile of people out there who have been wounded by the church. Piles of people who have had an experience with a pastor. They've had an experience with a a board member. They've had an experience with somebody in the church who has done something that has offended them, that has hurt them. It has created a wound on the inside of them. Can I say this to you? When that happens, and we've almost all been, okay? And can I just say, if you haven't been hurt by me yet, you probably will be, okay? Because I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect. I don't have to be perfect. Don't put it on me. I don't put it on me. I'm not perfect with my wife. I'm not perfect with my kids. I'm not going to be perfect with you. So when you find something that I've screwed up on, likely what you're going to hear is go, oh yeah, I've done that before. Would you forgive me? I'll try and change that. You need perfection from me. Go somewhere else. But when we're wounded in the church, there are two things that happens. The enemy will either go, I'm going to plant a fence inside of you, and you're going to just go, every church is the same. Every pastor is the same. Every board member is the same. They're all the same. I'm never going back to a church again. We know them. Someone once said, it is harder to reach a person who's been wounded by the church than it is to reach a Satanist. And I think there's truth to that. I want to tell you what this woman knew. She knew that coming out of that experience, she watched me be pushed down. She watched me get up and walk out. She came. I believe her prayer. She knew what could happen. I believe as that woman prayed, one of two things happened. You either get offended and you walk away or inside of you, I've got to tell you what happened. Inside inside of me, there was this, I need to know about this Holy Spirit. I need to know about this baptism. I need to find out what the Word says. I'm not taking it because David Maine says it. I'm going to go into the Word, and I need to find out for myself what this is all about. Can I tell you, it'll either push you away or it'll push you into it. Can I just tell you, when you begin witnessing, when you begin going out there sharing with people, very quickly when people open their mouth, they locate themselves. Can I tell you, when people go, I've been wounded, and they're over here, we minister to them one way. But when you find people who've been wounded and they go the other way and go, you know, I was wounded by him, but that's not all pastors. There's an openness that you can work with. I became a student of the Holy Spirit. 
Inside of me was such a hunger, I wanted to find out what this Holy Spirit was about. I'll tell you for the rest of that tour, it was about nine weeks long, seven and a half weeks, because we were one and a half weeks into 100 Huntley Street, seven and a half weeks. I took my Bible. I began reading. I wanted to find out. I wanted to see what Scripture said. I wanted to know about the Holy Spirit. I had never learned, never been taught, never any of this whole exposure. It planted in me. I want to know. And I'll tell you the truth of what I was really doing is I wanted to find out that David Maines was wrong. But let me tell you what I found out. His approach may have been wrong. You've heard me say it before, and I, I say this in love because we, we dealt with the bishop and he changed his mind. When the bishop first came to our church here, the first time we had a ministry line, the bishop was just pushing people over. They weren't being slain. They were being pushed over. And afterwards, there were people coming to me going, Carl, uh, you need to do something about that. And I went, absolutely, I'll do something about that. Took the bishop aside, sat with him and said, in our culture, we don't push over. We, we allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. Okay, in their culture, they just push them over. They just push them over. They just push them over. I became a student of the Holy Spirit. I wanted to know. It was about a year and a half later. I was part of another ministry team in Edmonton. We were going out. We were doing a tour in July, Canada, the States. I came back. Let me back up just for a second. After my second year of Bible school, I went to university, and I've told you this story before. When I got to university, some of the Bible school kids came and said, Carl, I'd like you to lead a Bible study. I said, okay, I'll do that, but I'm not going to have any, any sports or any social activity. If we're going to do this, we're going to be in the Bible. They said, absolutely, that's what we want. We got together. There was about 11 of us who began. In about three months, we were at about 120. Every Monday evening, I would meet with the 12 leaders in my home, and I would share a Bible study with them. Thursday evening, we'd get together from 7 to 8. We'd worship from 8 to 9, or from, uh, yeah, from 8 to 9, we'd do uh, sharing in prayer from 9 to 10. Uh, they would break off into 12 cell groups, and all the leaders would teach them from 10 to 10.30. They would come back, and I would preach. Every Thursday, three and a half hours, God was moving powerfully in the university, powerfully in the campus, people being saved, people being healed. It was beautiful. One of those evenings, and this wasn't unusual because in the evenings, these Thursday evenings would draw people who heard about it, and so at 10 o'clock, there would be people show up in the church that weren't a part of our evening. They would just come there for the last half hour while I was preaching. So it wasn't unusual to see people there that weren't a part of the group. That, that didn't affect me. But one night, there was an older couple that was sitting at the very back, preached for the half hour, closed it in prayer. After it was all done, one of our leaders, Effie Kaminsky, you've heard me talk about her before. She went to the older couple, brought them up, and said, uh, she said, Call, I want to introduce you to somebody. This is the head. These are the directors of Central Pentecostal Tabernacles Bible Camp. I invited them to come so they could hear you I wanted them to meet you, and I said, that's great. So I met them. They left. That week, got a phone call. They said, call. We would like you to come out and be the head speaker at our Bible camp. All the month of August, for four weeks. So I prayed about it. God laid in my heart and said, yep, I want you to go and do that. So I ended up, that July, we were touring Canada and the States. In August, we came. The beginning of August, it was a Sunday Went out to the Bible camp. That evening we had the campfire, spoke that night. Monday morning I woke up and I instantly was hit with absolute fear, absolute inadequacy. I was just overwhelmed. And I'll tell you what happened to the point where that morning 
After I led Bible study with all the staff that morning, I went back to my room. I packed up all my stuff. I put it in my car. I was driving out of the camp, and I was just going to leave. I had just come under attack. And the overwhelming was, I can't do this. As I was driving down the highway, and I know now the Holy Spirit and my mom and dad, the way they raised me, they go, you can't just walk away and not let the directors know. I turned my vehicle around. I went back to the camp. I stopped at their house, which was at the beginning of the, the whole camp. I went in, knocked on the door. Got to tell you, I was terrified, but I knew that I, that was the right thing to do. I went into the house, and I, I just broke down weeping, and I said, I can't stay here. I can't do the camp for the month. I need to leave. They said, tell me what's going on. I told them, and I was broken. I was scared. I was terrified. This couple, who were the ones who showed up that evening when I was speaking at the, uh, at the church, gently, gently began to tell me about how the Holy Spirit helps when he calls us into ministry. What they were doing is talking to me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit without using the word baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were talking to me about how when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he'll empower to you to do what you can't do. He will empower you to walk past the fear. He will give you the words when you have no words. He'll give you boldness when you have no boldness. He will do for you what you can't do on your own. And they looked at me after and said, would you like us to pray with you? And I said, absolutely. They prayed with me. I got to tell you that when I was prayed for, there, there were no fireworks that went off. I didn't see lightning. The room didn't shake. There was no fire that landed on my head or their head. I didn't all of a sudden come out of it, start speaking in tongues and prophesying. Uh, th that didn't happen. But I'll tell you what did happen. After they finished praying for me, that fear, that oppression that landed on me was pushed away, and inside of me was, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go back. I'm not going to quit. I will go back. And I will follow my commitment through. That afternoon, I went back to my cabin. I was by myself, and I just landed on the floor, and I was praying, God, you got to be with me. God just planted inside of me a word. i got to tell you, for those of you at camp, you know that you wait for the salvations until later in the week, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. This was Monday night. The Lord laid on me a message. I spoke, and at the end of it, I just said, you know what? I need to give you guys an opportunity to receive Christ. There was about 40 high school kids that came up and received Christ every night, gave invitation over that whole month. I mean, hundreds of kids got saved. But I recognized it wasn't me. I recognized something changed that day in the cabin, me filled with fear, driving out and leaving the camp, coming back out of my responsibility. When they prayed with me, something happened to me that had not happened before. So here we have a dilemma. Not only am I Lutheran and saved, but now I'm Lutheran and I have the Holy Spirit. But in spite of that, there was something inside of me that said, you're not speaking in tongues. And I got to tell you, there was a number of years as I grew in my walk with God and as I grew in the Holy Spirit that I did not speak in tongues. I even taught you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. And it was like, this is really interesting. When I came to Camrose in the, in the church here, it was very interesting because here we are a mainline church, but we're totally evangelical. So the main lines wanted nothing to do with us. And here we were in evangelical church, but we had a mainline title. The evangelicals wanted nothing to do with us. And so here we were in the middle world, 
couldn't identify with the mainline, couldn't identify with the evangelicals. Neither of them wanted anything to do with us. But here we are, Lutheran, spirit-filled, and don't speak in tongues. This is really weird, but I want you to hear it. This is how gentle and beautiful God is in working out the offense and the wound and the hurt and all this stuff. When my niece and nephew were little, one of the things we used to joke about when we were walking the mall together, and I spent a lot of time with my niece and nephews, we'd walk down the mall and I said, let's just speak in a different language and let people think we're not English. So we'd be in the mall and I'm holding their hand and I'm going, and they'd look at me and they'd go, blah, 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 whatever. And, and I mean, we would just laugh, right? People looking at us going, whoa, they're possessed. I mean, that's what they would think, right? But we would do this all the time. When my kids were born and they got older, we did the same thing. We'd sit in a vehicle and we'd make up our own language and we'd be like, blah, 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 whatever. And they'd be do battle. What, what I began to identify, and Jane helped me see this, is that when I was making up this language, when I was having all this fun, this language was coming out the same all the time. And later the Holy Spirit revealed to me, Colin, you, you have been speaking in tongues for years and have never wanted to identify it as tongues, a part of what happens when the Holy Spirit lands on you. And I remember the day, the day, I remember the day when the Holy Spirit said to me, Colin, I want you to embrace the gift that I have given you in the baptism. I want you to take it out of the closet and I want you to declare it publicly. I will tell you the first day that I spoke in tongues public was like, ooh. It's like praying out loud for the first time. Do you remember that? It's like sharing your faith for the first time. Do you remember that? It's like stepping from this comfort into this scary as hell zone, but you do it out of obedience. had to break through the fear, break through the offense, break through the wound. I want to tell you the last thing that the enemy wanted in my life was for me as a young born-again Lutheran man to find out about the Holy Spirit and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit flow through my life and accomplish what God wanted. It is not it is not unusual, this Pentecostal pastor looking and go, you're Lutheran? Yes. Even Lutherans can be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you, I'm Lutheran second. I'm a child of God first. And so when God begins to drop all the titles off, all of a sudden, when the Holy Spirit moves, it doesn't matter what you are. There are Catholic priests out there in the midst of all that's going on in the church, and I'll tell you, there's a pile going on in the church right now. They're looking at defrocking the Pope. They're looking at cleaning the entire administration, all the homosexuality out of the Vatican, all the perversion, the tens of thousands of people all across the Middle East and Asia and South America, even Canada and America, who have been abused, sexually abused by priests. In the midst of all of that, there are born-again, spirit-filled priests that are out there that God is using powerfully in the church to heal it and to move it forward. I want to tell you, as we talked about last week, there are some Pentecostal pastors who are as dry and dead as Lutheran pastors usually are. Just because you have the title doesn't mean you have the spirit. But this is what Jesus was saying. He's going, disciples, 
Your call is to reach your Jerusalem. Your call is to reach down the road and reach your neighbor. Your call is to reach those in your work environment. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. You wait here until I send the Spirit and you will have a power on you that will empower you to do what you cannot do in your own. I want to say this to you really clearly. I really believe for those in the church who go through every day, go through every day, and there is never a thought about the lost. I got to tell you, I believe it's because the Holy Spirit has not landed on them, captured them, and given them the heart of the Father. I believe those people need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. When the baptism comes, the heart of the Father comes, and instantly you have a heart for the lost. If you are a believer and you have no desire to be in the Word and no desire in prayer, I believe it's because you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes on you, He brings the heart of the Father and you instantly have a love for the Word. You instantly have a desire for prayer. You instantly have that just burning inside of you. If it's not there, I would say, be baptized in the Spirit. If you are a believer and you struggle worshiping, You have a hard time in a corporate setting when worship happens to enter in and and, and on your own. Someone goes, do you worship privately? You go, what are you talking about, private worship? You know, I've never done that. Can I tell you, if you struggle with worship, I believe you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because when the Spirit comes in you, he plants inside of you such a hunger and a desire to worship the Father in freedom. And I got to tell you, I love this. Isn't it beautiful that when the disciples were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit landed on them, they walked out the door, they're talking in tongues, there's a boldness and a freedom. Everybody heard the noise, that's why they came. And one of the first things that people looked at, they said to them, those boys are drunk. Can I ask you a question? How many times have you been accused of being drunk and it has been the Holy Spirit that's been on you? Can I say this to you? Maybe not enough. Because you know why? In our Western world, we're so prim, so proper. Man, do you think anybody's going to see me dancing and moving my feet? Do you think anybody's going to see me laughing like I'm drunk? Do you see anybody's going to see me doing something that's undignified? I'll be dead before they catch you. It's true. You'll be dead before they catch you. But I want to tell you something. The last thing the enemy wants, because he knows that when we come into relationship with the person of the Spirit... We're going to experience things. We're going to change. Things are going to be different. He's going, the last thing I want is for them to ever enter into that relationship. Because if they find out about him, I lose them. Here's what Jesus really said. Boys, unless you have my baptism, you will never reach your Jerusalem. Unless you have my baptism, you will never walk in power. Unless you have my baptism, you will not be aware of my presence with you and in you. You're going to be out there and it'll be all just you. It'll be you against the world. I don't know what your journey is. But I do know that there are churches out there that teach against the Holy Spirit. 
I do know there are churches out there that still say speaking in tongues died with that dispensation. And if someone is speaking in tongues now, that they are demon-possessed. That's how I was raised, someone in tongues. There, that's demons going on over there. There are people who say that if that person is a little bit undignified, like they're drunk in a worship service or drunk in a church, that that person is very disrespectful and that can't be God. Can you imagine the modern-day church religion looking at the disciples coming out going, those boys, that is so not Christian. Can you imagine that? Our Jerusalem will never be reached until we have experienced the baptism of the Spirit, a power that comes into our life to change us and make us different. The enemy tried to use my Lutheran upbringing and a wounding by a spiritual evangelical leader to keep me from ever coming to that place of allowing the spirit of freedom in my life. If you're Baptist, you know exactly what I'm saying. If you're Anglican, you know exactly what I'm saying. If you're mainline, you know exactly what I'm saying. The enemy has used how many churches and religious experience to keep us from ever coming to that place of knowing who God is. I want to tell you what I know today. Apart from Christ, I can do... Let me... uh, Let me explain that. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing that benefits the kingdom of God. Apart from Christ, I can do a pile of things because there's piles of pastors who aren't born again and they're not spirit-filled. There's piles of people in the church who are not born again and they're not spirit-filled. They're doing all kinds of religious and humanitarian stuff. You can do a lot, but nothing that advances the kingdom. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The last thing he wanted for me, the last thing he wants for you is to come to a place where we go, Father, you sent your Holy Spirit, Jesus. You left in order for him to come. Holy Spirit, I got to reach my Jerusalem and I can't do it without you. Not only my Jerusalem, I can have no victory in my life. I can't overcome addiction without you. I can't have a covenant with my eyes without you. I can't have proper passion without you. I'm even totally afraid to share my faith with my coworkers without you. I'm still concerned what people think when I worship because they're surrounding me. They might be looking at me without you. I can't reach my Jerusalem, but I need you for me. You know what's awesome? In here, as a whole, I'm preaching to the choir. Isn't that beautiful? But I'll tell you what I found out. In every body, there are O's. In every church body, there are those who are in progress, who are not there yet. And in every body, there are those who have been filled with the Holy Spirit and who go, you know what? I need to be filled again. And I need to be filled again. 
and I need to be filled again. Ephesians 5.8 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you break that down in the Greek, it says, be filled repeatedly, repeatedly, be filled repeatedly with the Holy Spirit. This is the term we use, we leak. I got to give you a picture in closing. And I want you to see this, you know it. This is a picture that changed my life forever. When God introduced us to Craig Hill, God used him in his ministry to change this church, but to change my life. He said, as human beings, we are made up of three different parts. We all know this, the spirit, the soul, which is the mind, will, and emotion, and the flesh. He made one statement that became a revelation. The light went on inside of me. He made one statement. He said, there is a door between the spirit and the soul, and there is a door between the flesh and the soul. He made this statement. He said, both doors cannot be opened at the same time. He said, either the door of your flesh will be open and your flesh will determine what your soul does and the spirit will be closed. Now the flesh is ruling and determining or else he said the door of your flesh will be closed and the spirit door is open and the spirit will determine what happens with your mind, will, and emotion. That single word was a revelation that changed my life forever. There is not a morning goes by that I do not pray, Holy Spirit, I invite you to take full possession of me, flesh, a reminder today that you do not rule me. Holy Spirit, would you weld the door of my flesh shut? Would you weld this door? And Holy Spirit, would you take your door off its hinges? I don't want it to flip closed sometime throughout the day. Take it off! Can I tell you about Jesus? Was there ever a time when the door to his flesh was open and his flesh ruled his soul? Was there ever a time? Never, not once. Can I tell you, if that would have ever happened once, he would have disqualified himself from the cross. It never happened. His flesh door was welded, his spirit door was wide open, and the spirit led his mind, will, and emotion his entire life. He's going, that is abundant life. That is victory. That is something you and I can't do apart from the power of the Holy Spirit coming into our life. I want to reinforce it again because I know where this message is going to go. I hold no offense toward David Maines. I believe his heart was absolutely for our best. I believe God used him powerfully in Canada to open doors. I believe there are hundreds of thousands of people whose lives have been affected and thousands who've been saved because of his ministry. The enemy sought to use him to keep me from. But someone prayed for me. Can I just say to you, if you ever find someone who's been wounded in a church, just go to them and say, I'm so sorry for what happened and I will pray this doesn't affect you negative, I believe that single prayer will change the offense and leave them open for the Holy Spirit. The call on this church, the call on every church, but the call on this church is to reach our Jerusalem. 
We cannot do it without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Any questions before we enter into our time of prayer this morning? Any questions about anything I've said? Dean? That's a great thing. So Dean is saying when you enter a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it is a relationship. And he goes, if I met someone on the street, I wouldn't instantly give them the keys to my house and the keys to my car and just open and invite them in. So it's the same with the Holy Spirit. When I invite the Holy Spirit in, does that mean he has total control or is this door flipping back and forth? Can I just tell you one really quickly? Do you remember the time when Peter said to Jesus, Jesus goes, guys, tell me who people say I am. And they said, well, John the Baptist, you know, prophet, whatever. And he goes, who do you say? Peter goes, you are the son of the living God. He goes, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that, but my father in heaven revealed it. Do you know that three verses later, Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. Remember that? Can I tell you, there are times where the doors will go like this. One is open. And can I tell you, that can happen within seconds. Back to the Holy Spirit, Dean. If the only thing you heard today is that when trust is broken, the Father is so good at rebuilding trust to the point where we go, I surrender. The Father never steps into our life and go, without knowing me, I just want you to give me my all. He doesn't do that. You know what it is? He earns our trust. That's what you do in relationship. That's what you do with the Holy Spirit. Anybody else? Ken? Yeah. So Ken is going the design of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. What compounds it with the believer is when we begin believing that that's God's will. When it's not at all. If you've never read the book Deceived Who Me by Craig Hill, I challenge you to read it. I could not believe, as a pastor who'd been a believer for years, reading the book, walking out going, holy smoke, there are piles of areas inside of me where I'm still deceived. You too, by the way. Deceived Who Me by Craig Hill. That's a great point. Dana, could I invite you to, uh, could I have you just come and play quietly? Would you bow with me this morning for just a moment? As I prayed about this morning, the Father just gently laid up a heart and said, Colin, there's really two things that need to happen. There are those that have never prayed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want you to pray for them. And there's those who have received the baptism who need a fresh infilling. And so I want to tell you that people do not change under the voice of a man. But people are open to change when they've heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. They're willing to risk. They're willing to give up. They're willing to walk through fear. They're willing to do things they've never done before because the voice 
of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit, comes with a power to do what he's asking you to do. The amazing thing is, is that the Father knows where every one of our hearts are today. He knows that there are those like mine who are totally offended at something in the church, and the last thing that they would do is enter into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I understand that. It's not my job to crack you open. It's the Holy Spirit's job to earn your trust. But I also understand that the Spirit of God prepares hearts and minds before we ever get here. He plants inside of us a hunger for more than what we've been experiencing. We come to a point where we're tired of trying to do it on our own and experiencing no victory and going, my toolbox is empty. There's got to be more. And the Holy Spirit says, here I am. I'm the more. This morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself because what the Holy Spirit is going to do is between you and the Father privately. But if right now the desire of your heart is to say, Holy Spirit, I need to be baptized by you. I need you to fill me I need you to come into my life and do with me what you did with the disciples, what you have been doing to the children of God all down through time. I want to be part of reaching the Jerusalem, but I need you to empower me for me. I need victory in my own life. If that is you this morning, I just invite you to say a prayer with me. A reminder that the Holy Spirit, He is God. So would you pray with me, Holy Spirit? I've heard you this morning. You know my journey. You know my struggle. You know what's kept me from surrendering myself to you. But today I know that I need you. And so as an act of my will, I invite you to fill me, to come into my life, into every area and empower me and heal me and free me and to give me the heart of the Father. I surrender myself to you today. If you prayed that prayer, Word of God says that God will not give you a scorpion. He will not give you a stone. 
says when you ask for the Holy Spirit, how much more will the Father give him to those who ask? The Word of God guarantees that he has come into your life. begin to experience the fruit of his presence. The symptoms of the baptism will begin showing up in you and you will know this isn't me. For those of you in here today, you need to be baptized again. been baptized but you leak I invite you right now in the quietness between you and the Father between you and the Holy Spirit just between you and him would you invite him again invite him to come with his power invite him to come with his passion invite him to come with his presence Make it a radical prayer and say, Holy Spirit, possess me. Take your door off its hinges. Spirit, thank you for this morning. Publicly, I want to say thank you for not allowing the enemy to use that offense to keep me from you. Thank you for that older lady that is with you. I know she's with you. It was 40 years ago. Would you just go to her this morning and say thank you on behalf of Colin? Spirit, would you seal what you have done in here today? We declared that coming out of this service that we would never be the same again. Father, we prophesied over our own life, your will. Let us never be the same again. And we will be very sure to give you the glory. an anointing of grace over every marriage represented here that there would be such oneness and unity in the area of the spirit that there would be no contention, no conflict no division, no strife in any home represented here Holy Spirit when you come, you come with an anointing of unity, would you release that over every marriage regarding the Holy Spirit in this place Thank you that we no longer have to wait because you're here. Our Jerusalem is waiting for us. Thank you, Father. You are preparing us.
I prophetically declare in these next years that our Jerusalem will be reached under the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. Our Jerusalem will be reached in Jesus' name. I declare to you today what you already know. As a child of God, the Lord has blessed you and he's keeping you. He has caused his beautiful face to shine on you and to be gracious to you. He has lifted up his countenance upon you and he has packed you full of his peace. I declare that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have an awesome day, an awesome week. Any questions, feel free to come up and talk to me about it. Phone me. In about five minutes, all of the Reading Open Heaven people invite you to work your way to the front. We're going to have our meeting. Those of you who are leaving, I will not be at the back door today.